Hey, good morning. I hope everyone's well. Um, I'll just start off with prayer this morning. Um, today's title, it's the first title. It's my first time doing a actual podcast. So um, I'll start off with a prayer and I'll just get this going. I mean, today's going to be a great conversation Um, The title of today's lesson is Jesus is Better and More, and I just want to go in and really discuss um, some of the things that the Lord has put on my heart and has given me revelation over, and just revelation for simplicity is the unveiling, um, taking the veil off of something. Um, Imagine a, a box you know, you look in a box and you don't know what's inside the box, but you know something is inside the box. It's not until you open the box and see what's inside the box that you really understand what's inside the box. And, and there's the moment of you can guess, you can think you know, you can have an idea based on the size or the shape or the, the length or the width of the box. But in reality, you don't know what's in the box until you really pull it out. And so revelation is just pulling out what's in the box and really seeing what's in the box and finally knowing what's in the box. And this is um, exciting for me because that's what um, this podcast will really be about. It'll be about um, Conquer Church. It's the church that um, God has put on my heart to start and to really help people with their belief system Um, A lot of Christianity focuses on the doing of Christianity, what you must do to be a Christian, um, the acts that you must um, fulfill to be a Christian. And even the world determines what a Christian is based on um, our actions, you know. But this is the impossibility of modern Christianity is that if we do it strictly on actions and if we preach just the actions, Um, we'll find that we become just like the Pharisees of the Bible, where we do all the good deeds that are required of Christianity and actually have no heart in what we do. And so this is basically a podcast to focus on what we must believe to become Christians. Um, And strictly what we must believe. Um, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's just a basic proverb that talks about as a man thinks, as we think. Well, how do we think? We, we get information. Information comes into our brain and we process it and it becomes thoughts. And these thoughts are then uh, a makeup of options that we have for what we inevitably will believe. And those beliefs inevitably become our actions. And we really only do what we believe in this life. And so... Um, this podcast will be strictly focused on helping with our belief system. So with that being said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word, to be alive, to have breath. And I thank you for the grace that you've given me specifically to be able to speak these words, the words of life, God. And I also thank you for anyone that would hear this, anyone that would benefit from this, anyone that would feel... um, inspired by this or would find revelation they would they would see what's inside the box lord and i thank you for that today god and i pray that people will come to repentance i i I believe that they, they will come to a change of mind based on what your word really says and what your word 
really challenges us to believe. And so I thank you for that today. I thank you for each person and I thank you for their lives, Lord. And I pray that you bless them and you give them guidance. You, you provide for them peace, healing and provision in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. So, um, in the world today, seeing a bad thing is pretty much quite obvious, right? We, we look at bad things and we see bad things. And how do we know something is bad? And it's obvious because of the result, right? So an example is like if you put my hand in a fire, unfortunately, it'll burn and it'll cause me much pain. And so I'm pretty certain that if a fire touches my hand for any amount of time, it's bad, right? The, the, the results... Um, the cooking of my flesh would be very, very um, gross to most people to see. And so we would be immediately understanding, wait, that's bad, right? That's bad. Um, the unfortunate reality is that not everything that is bad seems that way up front. So when we look at something, it doesn't always come off that way up front. Some things do, some things don't. An example of this would be if you look through history, you would find men like Hitler, who with a smile and a handshake, plotted unimaginable evil, doing despicable things to people with a smile on their face, looking toward you with an uncertainty of evil. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't guess. But the result is still the same. You see the bad. The bad ends up showing up. So when something is bad, you'll all inevitably see the result. Um, the unfortunate thing is sometimes we know up front, sometimes we don't, right? And so um, did you know, did you have an idea that our bad thinking is defined? So I'm now speaking of our bad thinking. These are just bad realities, right, that I was talking about. Now I'm going to our bad thinking. We have bad thinking, Right. But these, this bad thinking is defined by experiences that alter our perspective of reality. There's reality, there's the world we live in, there's the life we live, right? And then there is how we see our perception of reality. And our perception of reality becomes darkened when we have bad experiences. And outside of our sensual nature, our lust, right? Because it's attached to the body and it's pretty innate. Our nature is pretty pretty uh, by itself bad in the sense that it, it, it it's sensual. It's subject to what it feels and it only does what it likes. And sometimes what it likes doesn't always benefit the rest, doesn't always benefit other people. So our thinking is bad. We have a bad nature. And when bad happens, it teaches us that bad can happen. And we become exposed to greater levels of fear because we see bad happening and we know that more bad can happen. And then the unexpected happens, like, you know, fear of heights. We know and we can't, we can't, we imagine what it's like to fall from somewhere. And so a fear of heights can even be something so simple as to explain this. And so we become more and more defensive when anything in our mind and in our hearts and in our perception resembles that form of bad. And so another example of this would be PTSD. It's a great example of trauma, right? Because, but it's an extreme form because the PTSD is basically you had such a extreme trauma that now it resonates with you to the point of affecting your, your, your life, 
your cognitive ability, your your perception, your daily peace, right? And so there's a lot of things that psychology tries to do and, and to help, and, and, and we believe in, in, in that it helps, but there's always a greater root and there's always a greater freedom that can be had. And even just being a church, just being someone who believes in Jesus, right? We're, we're, we're knowing and assuming in this point that it's Jesus that can help that, of course, and heal someone from that trauma. But in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three, this was written by the richest and most wisest king in history, King Solomon. And we see a darkened wisdom from this man. And he tells us that everything has a season. There's time of war and there's time of peace. And this leads us to believe that the Bible itself acknowledges that we will have good and bad traumas. That life will give us good experiences and it'll give us bad experience. If you live long enough, you're going to have a, a lot of good experiences and a lot of bad experiences. But wisdom, right, in knowing this is understanding how to deal with those hard times without losing your gravity, without losing um, your your footing, without falling, without without letting one of these things overcome you. It's also learning to have hope without feeling like you have to lie to yourself that everything's going to be all right. So guess what? Bad is going to happen. And not only is bad going to happen, Psalms 14, 1 through 3, if you read it in detail there, it's very explicit. And it says, there is none that does good, no, not one. Verse 1, verse one says, there is none that doeth good. And then on the tail end of verse 3, it's no, not one. Not a single one does good. And so Paul even includes that in his New Testament doctrine when he's preaching and he says in Romans 3:12 quoting from Psalms 14 and he says the same thing there's none that doeth good no not one and so there isn't even good people we all in God's eyes are gone astray we're all wicked in God we and if you go to the book of James it even says if you've done one you've you've done one act of sin against God's law you've basically broken the entire thing and so we, we end up in this 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 tunnel or this um, eternity effect of sin, right? Because you do one, you do ten. If you've done ten, you've done a hundred. And if you've done a hundred, then you've so on and so forth, right? So just by one, man falls completely. And that's why when Adam sinned, man fell completely, completely. And so if we keep searching and we understand that, yes... We, we, we don't stop there. I'm not trying to diminish the good of mankind in total, right? Because, yes, man outside of God can achieve good. But in the context of what it's saying is that no one on the basis of good deeds is better than anyone else, and especially God. To the point of saying we're all in need of redemption. We all need to be redeemed. We all need some form of justification, whether that means the justification falls on you, that you pay for your consequence, or in the example of being a Christian, God sends Jesus to pay for our consequence, right? And so it would seem that man has no hope because what what good can man produce on his own? Yes, man can produce good, but that good doesn't qualify before God. So we could never really do enough good to make things right. 
I think that's the that's the disappointment of the flesh. That's the disappointment of, of this life is that we could never do enough to make things right. And so to trust man with being capable of achieving good, I would say, and I know the Bible says that it's disappointment. It's a path to disappointment to trust mankind with good, right? Well, then how do we trust, Angel? How do we how do we get to a place where we trust people in relationships and all that? I mean, that's those are good questions, but um, they will indeed be answered soon. So let's keep let's keep pushing forward. And if you have questions, um, I really want you to find a way to message me and send me a letter and send me thoughts, send me challenge me, and I'm 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 totally for it. You know, put all the scriptures, everything. Anything that I'm saying, if you do not like it or do not agree, I am open to the truth. And, I, and I'm here to seek and discover the truth. <clears throat> so point it out. So Philippians 3, 3, um, in Philippians 3, Paul talks about um, his good as a Pharisee, that he was a good Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. That means he was the top. He was the man who, who, who demonstrated above his peers with passion that he loved and cared for the things of God. And so in Philippians 3, um, he talks about having no confidence in the flesh that, yeah, we don't trust the flesh, even though, yeah, my flesh produced the good. We are not going to demand good from sinful flesh. It's insanity. Insanity is like going to the gym, sitting down in the lobby and saying you went to the gym, posting it on social media, Instagram. Yep. Click, click, boom. But you don't have results and you wonder why. And you're curious as to why haven't I lost weight? I'm going to the gym. Well, if only it worked that way, right? So if you struggle to stop, if you struggle, if we struggle, right? We need to stop trusting the flesh to achieve good. So then all is bad, right? All is bad. Mankind's bad. Our thinking's bad. Our, our world is bad. Our lives are bad, right? If we just all oh, just said, okay, it's bad. Let's accept it. Well, then what now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Maybe you didn't ask, but <laughs> I'm assuming you're asking, right? Um, man would say, just try your best. Most people would say, well, then there's no hope. Just try your best then. Just try to achieve good. Some would hope for the end of the world. A little more dramatic but still nonetheless a resolution right some would continue to believe they are good and then we call those people self-righteous right we're not calling you self-righteous to condemn you we're calling you self-righteous to bring you to a revelation that you're not good right the moment like if you find like go to go around look for a perfect church right the moment you show up or i show up it becomes imperfect even if they claim to be perfect before we get there. And so, yeah, if we still believe we're good, there's a, there's a sense of self-righteousness in that. And to the rest of the world, because we come off self-righteous to the rest of the world because they aren't or as good as us or as we think we are, right? Because we continue to believe we're good. So we've kind of done the world an injustice in saying that we're good people, right? Christians are good people. No, 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 no. That, that is one of the biggest fallacies is that I'll be honest and straightforward. I am spiritual because I am carnal. I am spiritual and I seek God because in my flesh dwells no good thing. And so 
as we continue, we see situations like this. People pull out signs, Christians, believers, and try to convict people of their sins. And I'll tell you, this doesn't work. It just continues to disqualify people by their actions. You point out a sin. If we're always convicting people by sins, by their works, by by the bad deeds that they've done, right? We disqualify them. This is why they say, I'll never go into church. Because guess what? We've highlighted their sin and we've spoken directly against it and how wrong it is, okay? When that's just the fruit, or not the fruit, that's just the end result of a bad belief system. So what I'm going to tell you is quite opposite of Christianity. Christianity teaches, okay, here's the behaviors that you need to change. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. Change these behaviors to this. This is good. This is good. This is good. Right? And then they say to have faith in that process, that slowly changing, right? But the Bible's very clear about how we change, how we're supposed to be changed. And when we look at the Bible, instead of it being an instruction manual on how to live, it's an instruction manual on how to believe. And when we see the fruit or the good actions of people in the Bible, right, that is a byproduct of their right believing. We see the end result of what good belief looks like. And that's what the Bible's for, to show us the end result of what good beliefs look like. Okay. And so this is my point. If you go to Acts 2, 37 through 39, and I'm going to read, I'm going to quote 38 really quick. And Peter said unto them, repent. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. And you should, you shall, you should, or you will be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing on some words because there's different versions in how it's said. I memorized um, the old King James, but um, he says, repent. The word repent, okay, is the Greek word metanoia, which means change of mind. And so if you go to Acts 2.37-39, it tells us a story. After Jesus was falsely condemned and crucified, that this man named Peter, which was a disciple of Jesus, he began to preach the gospel. And he began to preach this, the, the gospel to this group of people, right, how David um, died, was buried, and then that Jesus was the resurrection of his lineage. So Jesus resurrected through his lineage um, by being born. And how basically they falsely condemned Jesus. Okay, He was preaching how they falsely condemned Jesus. And then they asked, what must they do? Okay, This is the challenge. This isn't a focus on their sin per se. Their sins with an S, plural. This is a focus on their sin, their one sin. And let's just put it this way. Let's just put it this way. We've always taught in the church, repent from all your sins. Tell me, how do you do that? How do you repent from all your sins? You don't even know all your sins yet. Right? Who knows all their sins? We don't. The Bible says, be baptized for the forgiveness of all your sins, which is cool, right? Because 
It's saying like there's forgiveness for all your sins. But there's forgiveness for all your sins by what? Repenting of, of one thing. Okay. One thing. And it's to change your mind. Repent. Change your mind about Jesus being Lord. That was the one sin. Repent from the one sin of believing in Jesus. That believing that your answer is in Jesus. And this is the crate. This is the insanity of it all. Is that God is so good that in spite of all our bad experience in life, in spite of all the bad that's happened to us, right? Is that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him, this is has to do with belief, right? Believing that God loved the world so much that Jesus died for our sin, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it's the belief that Jesus made a payment and an atonement for our sin that changes our life entirely. That changes our life entirely. And that God wants us to believe this because once we do, we have an experience with it. And once we have an experience with it, it changes our mind. It changes our mind from having a negative mindset or a pessimistic or a darkened mindset about life, right? Because of all the bad things that happen and all the bad traumas that have shaped our thinking that God demonstrates a good trauma to our mind and to our heart, which then transforms us at the very core of who we are. And so Romans 2, 4 talks about the goodness and severity of God is that the goodness of God, do you despise the riches of his forbearance? Do you despise the riches of his forbearance and long-suffering, knowing not that the goodness of God is what leads thee to repentance? It's the goodness of God that leads us to a change of mind. Is it what's the goodness of God? What's the riches? What's the riches that he's talking about? Is that Jesus died for our sins, and that's a demonstration of the riches of his love, is that he loves us that much. And that's such a good experience. And that's God's goodness summed up in such a big way that what happens? It changes our mind. It changes how we think. It changes how we believe. So it was their lack of belief that Jesus was the answer that led to their sin because they didn't believe he was Messiah as he was being condemned. He came to his own. His own received him not. So I came to preach a very simple message today to get us started on this journey at Conquer Church. And this this is for Conquer Church. This is the this is the this is the heart and this is the start. So we talk about valuing Jesus above everything. Yes, the world is bad. Yes, mankind is not good, but Jesus, okay? Jesus sacrifice paid for all of it. And he gives us the power to fight the sinful nature by choosing him as the answer. There's a story of a man. He went to war. okay, And he had a partner with him at war. His partner gave his life for him. His partner ended up dying in the war. okay. And so this man paints a picture of his friend who died for him. And he takes the picture to his friend's dad. And his dad, his friend's dad is a like a great art collector, okay? And so 
when he gives this picture to his dad, the dad tears up. He's well, he, he's emotional about it, and he receives the picture with gladness. Okay, so he receives the picture, and not some some time after, right? The dad dies, and the dad has this great estate of pictures of of of, of artwork and and an amazing collection of artwork, and he passes away. So he puts in his will this 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 auction that he wants to host an auction. So he puts the auction out there and they, they, they gather all these these people come to see the great artworks. They had the you know uh, amazing Van Gogh, a lot of different things like that and in pottery and whatever the case was, it's famous artwork. And so people come and so the man starts auctioning and he starts off with this picture of the man's son. And so he starts saying, okay, who wants to buy it? Who wants to buy it? They do what the, you know, the auctioneers do and, you know, $10, $15, right? So no one, no one wants to do, no one wants to buy it. No one wants to put up uh, a number in the auction for this picture. And they said, you know, let's just put it away and let's do it later. Let's do that picture last. And they wanted to do all the famous pictures first, right? All the famous paintings first. And so finally the, the auctioneer is like, I, I'm not budging on this. This is a part of the will and we're doing this one first. So someone comes up and says, I'll give you what I got. That's what I got. It's $10. So he says once, going twice, going three times, then it was sold to that man. And then the auctioneer said the auction is over. And there was a stipulation in the will that said whoever bought the picture would get the entire estate. And whoever values the picture of the son gets the entire estate. And so that's a, it's a very simple way of explaining that who... who Whoever values Jesus, this servant king, okay, he comes as a servant. He's washing feet. He's in garbs. It's like, can you value him? And if you value him, you get the entire inheritance. You get everything you need in Jesus, right? And so, like I said, yes, the world is bad. Yes, mankind is not good. Yes, things aren't perfect. But Jesus' sacrifice paid for it all. And will you today, again, knowing that he chose us in spite of our wickedness, Choose to believe in him that he is every help and fulfillment. And even going to Romans 8, 28, the Bible says all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay, it talks about the ones who love God, right? All things work to them that love God. But understand this is that we don't love God first. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So anyone who has a great love for God is, is just demonstrating that in response to the great love they received. Right. I just want to make that clear. And then it says, are the called? And God has called us. God has called us. This isn't just for pastors and preachers like we've always taught. Oh, the called, the called, the called. No, this is for those who were called out of, of unbelief in Jesus to believing in Jesus, right? That all things work together. That's a promise that comes with Jesus. I mean, how great is that promise, right? So Jesus is better. And Jesus is even better than good things. I'm telling you guys, Jesus is better than good things. If you go to the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus is better than the angels. The Bible says Jesus is better than Moses. Bible, the Bible says that Jesus' blood speaks better things than that of Abel. The Bible says that he was a better high priest. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it talks about it very clear that Jesus is more and Jesus is better. Jesus is more and Jesus is better. Even Yes, Jesus is better than bad things, right? He helps with the bad things. He's there and he's a provision for the bad things. But this is the beauty of God. 
is that he's not only better than bad things, he's also better than good things. He's better than angels. Imagine experiencing an angel, right? An angel from heaven coming to you, talking to you, sitting down with you, chilling with you. Jesus is better than that. Imagine Moses, the man who got God's law, right? He's there for the plagues. He's there for for for, for t- delivering the people from Egypt, from bondage. Man, that's a great dude, right? He's a great guy for him to be able to go and and be willing to be used of God to pull people out of slavery. I mean, that's a modern that's a modern Martin Luther King. I'm, I mean, an old time Martin Luther King, right? Martin Luther King did something very similar. And so when we look at these situations, it's so it's so cool to see good, right? The mankind, yes, they're capable of good, but Jesus is even better than the good of mankind. Jesus is even better than the goodness of His own law. Because Jesus is perfect. And so if we go to Hebrews um, 3.12, it talks about unbelief. Unbelief in what? Unbelief is our issue. Unbelief in what? That Jesus is better. For our lives to change, we must assign proper value to Jesus. Guess what? He is alive, my friends. And he is here. He is here today. And he is with us. He is alive. And that's my simple message for today, okay? And I want to quote all the scriptures that I, um, I want to go through all the scriptures really quick that I um, mentioned here. And I'll do them in order, okay? That way you guys know what I, what I referenced and what I used to come up with this message. We are starting off with Ecclesiastes, um, that's chapter 3, um, where it talks about um, everything has a season. Um, Psalms 14, 1 through 3. Romans 3, 12. Romans 3, 12 is a direct quote from Psalms 14, 1 through 3. Um, Philippians 3, 3. Um, no confidence in the flesh. Um, Acts 2, 37 through 39. Um, John 3, 16. Romans 2, 4. That the goodness of God leads to repentance. Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good to them that love God. And are the called according to his purpose. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, Hebrews 3, 2 through 6, and verse 12. Again, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and Hebrews chapter 3, um, verses 2 through 6, and verse 12. God bless you guys. Um Contact me if you have any questions, any thoughts, and if this message bless you, share it with someone else. Share it with someone else. Share the good news. This is good news, my friends. This is good news. What Jesus did and, and what, what, what we can find in him is such good news that I think it's worthy of being shared. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We praise you. I honor you, God, because of your goodness and your mercy and your love for all of us. You love the world. You died for our sins. God, teach us to value you. Show us how to value you. Reveal to us how good you are so that we can repent and change our thinking, Lord. We can change what we think about you. And so, Lord, I thank you today. I pray you bless everyone that hears. Um, God, you are good. You are good to us. And I hope that we can begin to see that more so we can have more transformation, Lord. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.